Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, Rock family? How's it going, Rock family? It is so good that we get to be together today. My name is Pastor Allison, but you can call me Pastor Allie because that is what my friends and family calls me. And guess what? Today, you and I are considered friends. I am the student ministry pastor for the Point Loma location here in San Diego, California. So whenever you wanna come and visit, come and say hello to your girl. I wanna share a little bit about me. I was born and raised here in San Diego. I'm the middle daughter of three sisters born to two amazing parents from the Virgin Islands. I have been on staff here at The Rock for the last three years, and I have been attending The Rock Church for the last six years. And it has been a, such an encouragement to see so many lives being transformed. But most importantly, it's been really cool to see the journey that I have been on. To say that I'm excited is a complete understatement. If anything, I consider it to be the highest honor to continue our series that we're doing called Journey Through Breakthrough. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Sabbath and how to deny ourselves and how to slow in our pace. And today we're going to be journeying through the life of David as he was the perfect example of a person who was deeply flawed, but understood his sin and how to conquer it through confession. My friends, if we're gonna take it to another level in our breakthrough through this series, we are going to have to get a hold of the sin of our lives and take it captive and become conquerors in, it in every single area of our lives. So before we continue into this message, I wanna pray and invite God into our time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I know that for those who are tuning in all over the world, that you have a special word specifically for them. I decrease myself right now so that you can use me in a mighty way. I pray that people do not hear my words, they will hear you. And I pray and declare right now, continued breakthrough in the lives of people. In your mighty name I pray, amen. Before we start, I wanna kind of gauge and see what kind of crew am I working with today. So go ahead and take something to write with, grab your Bible. But right now I wanna to get to your keyboard and I want you to answer this question. How many of you remember the first time you were caught by your parents or your guardian and they caught you doing something wrong? Type in the chat if you remember. You could even share right now what it was, but if you remember, just go and type in the chat. Yes, I remember. Yes, I remember. For me personally, I definitely remember the first time that I got caught by my mom because she's a Caribbean mama and Caribbean mamas do not play. So I will never forget that first day. That first time was us after school doing our normal grocery shopping. And so we arrive at the grocery store and I'm going through the aisle. We split ways and I make my way straight to the magazines and comments because that is what kids do. As I am there, I'm looking at a magazine and I see something that catches my eye. I was a basketball player, so I saw the newest edition of Slam Magazine. And in my head, I started thinking to myself, man, I gotta have it. I didn't think to myself, I need to ask my mom to get this magazine. I thought to myself, oh, I am gonna take this magazine and I'm gonna have it. So in that moment, I take the magazine, I hide it in my uniform, which looks super crazy, and I make my way to the aisle. So I'm walking and I'm panicking and I'm nervous. And along the way, I'm like, man, if I can just make it past the register, I'll be good. 
So I did, I make it past the register and I get to my car. And then out of nowhere, I see the clouds opening up and I hear the Holy Spirit tell my mom, you need to ask your daughter what's in her uniform. And without delay, she goes, yo, what is in your costume right now? What is in your uniform right now? And I try to play it cool and I say, uh, I don't know what's in there. And she comes and grabs the magazine and says, what is this? What is this? Take it back to the store. And I walk back in shame. I walk back and kind of being upset. And I'm just like, man, I got caught. When I think about that moment, you know what I reflect on the most? is not that I got caught. I didn't forget that. When I think about that moment, I'm reflecting on the fact that I did not care. I didn't care that I got caught. I didn't care that I was stealing in a store. I just had no recollection. I had no type of guilt or connection to the weight of my decision. And I just didn't care. And I realized in that moment, I didn't understand the weight of my decision. And I most importantly, did not understand who God was. And so when I reflect on this, I'm thinking to myself, why did I do that? What was the tension point? Why is it as a young child, I didn't understand the weight of my sin in that moment? So what is sin anyways? A lot of us have different definitions, different lenses of the way that we see sin. But let me first tell you what sin is not. Sin is not behavior modification. Sin is not purity culture. It is not a striving to be good. It is not religiosity. Even for me, I thought sin was just thinking of ways of how can I just stay doing good things so that I wouldn't be considered bad. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And right there in that passage, we see something that we need to cling to is falling short. So what is sin? It is to miss the mark, to fall short of the standard God has established for our lives. Now, we're not gonna be talking so much about sin, but I need you to keep in mind that definition because David was a person who deeply understood his sin and knew how to correct through confession. Now, if you will, please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and hold a marker there because we're gonna do a brief overview about David. So again, please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and we're gonna journey through his life, starting at verse one, but hold your Bible there. Many of us know David from David and Goliath. He was the man who killed a lion with his bare hands. He was the youngest of seven brothers. He came from a big family. He was a shepherd, so it represented humble beginnings in his life. He was a poet, and musician, he penned so much of the Psalms. He was a military leader and ladies. In several versions of the Bible, we also see that David was mighty fine. Now, let me just segue a little bit and say this. While I was reading through my studies in this and preparing for this message, I actually started laughing because I thought to myself, man, out of everything that we were going through, <laughs> the people who were putting together the Bible were like, hey, make sure a thousand years from now, Everyone knows how fine David was. But hey, I digress. Let's get back to the message, right? He was the second king of Israel. But most importantly, he was affectionately known as a man after God's own heart. So think of the accolades. Think of all the many ways and positive things that scripture describes David. 
And right now we're getting ready to go to a moment in time that David probably say himself wasn't one of his proud moments. But here we see on display is David's humanity. And we're gonna start here in verse one of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it reads this. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Reba. But David remained at Jerusalem. Make sure you keep that in mind, he remained. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw someone, a woman, bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. Red flag, man, red flag. And it was reported, this is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her and she came to him and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived and she sent a message and told David, I don't need to call Maury because I already know you are the father. So in this moment, we're recognizing a couple of things in this here, in this, in this passage. We're seeing an example of David, the man after God's own heart, displaying his humanity right before our very eyes. And we see David wrestling with desire. We see David inquire about the person he's desiring. We see that he ignores all the signs that were very there. And then we see him act on his desires. Let's place my story. In the beginning, I share with you that I went to the store and went after what I wanted. And in the same way, I went through a similar thought process, even though it wasn't the same action, it had the same heart, where I saw something that I desired. I inquired and thought to myself, man, I gotta have it. And I ignored all the signs and I acted on it. In this moment, we see David's humanity. You see my humanity. And while you're tuning in right now, I wanna give you an opportunity. Where do you see yourself in this story? What areas in your life do you see this happening where you have a desire that has control over you and you take a deep looker into that desire, you ignore all the red flags and then you act on that desire that leads you to sin. Now, I highlight this right now. I highlight these patterns not to shame, but I wanna encourage you to be thinking about that one thing right now that you are wrestling with. Because I believe that when you bring into light through this series, that God is going to bring you complete freedom. So we share what happens in the beginning and let's hear what happens next. As we summarize the next few passages, this is what happens. David sends for her husband and brings, back, brings him back from the war to try to cover things up. Mm -mm -mm. Then we see him attempt to get the husband drunk twice so that he would sleep with his wife to cover up all his trails. But guess what? David fails not only once to accomplish that, he fails twice. Come on, brother. Then we see this. When he realized he can't cover his tracks, then David's like, you know what? I'm going to write a letter to the man who is leading my army in the war right now. And I'm gonna request to have this man be killed. And you know what's even more cold is that David sent that letter in with the hands of the person who he was gonna have killed. 
So he had that guy carry his death sentence in his hands. And as I'm thinking about it, if I'm Uriah, I would have for sure opened that letter. But it goes to show you the integrity of who Uriah is. But let's get back to David. So he sends out a hit for this man and Uriah dies. God then, in his infinite grace, sends one of his advisors, a dear friend by the name of Nathan. And Nathan has a conversation with David. And in that conversation, he is helping David see and painting pictures of a person who was a king. It's a story about a king. And this king has so much in his life. And at the heart of this story, he's telling him, he's trying to help David see that you have a, per- you have a heart of a person who is selfish. In this story, it shows that the king was a person who had everything, but went and stole the product of one person. And in that, even in him explaining that, David still didn't get that Nathan was talking about his heart. And here is where we pick up together in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 through 13. And it goes like this. Nathan said to David, you are the man that I am talking about. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel. So Nathan is reminding him of what God has done. And I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wife into your bosom. And I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. He says, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down the Uriah, the Hittite with the sword and have taken him to be your wife and had killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house for you have despised the Lord. I will raise up trouble against you from within your house and will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this very son. So God is not playing around right now. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan in that moment, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, now the Lord has put away your sin and you shall not die. In that moment, we see that David finally gets it. He's gone through the journey of the desire and seeing where his desire takes him. You see what happens after the desire is enacted and he acts on it and tries to cover up on it. Then God in his infinite grace, he sends someone to help him see the weight of his desire, the weight of his, the weight of his actions actually. And David still doesn't get it. And then he is reminded in that moment, wow, God has been faithful. And instead of trying to say, man, I have sinned against myself or Bathsheba, he says, I have sinned against God. See, this whole entire message was about learning how to recognize our sin in the midst of a holy God, not to shame, but to help remind us of how much we need them. We need him. So as I stand here before you as a pastor, I wanna let you know right now that getting to this place and this journey of understanding our sin and who we are before God, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. So as you're watching from home or wherever you are, I wanna remind you to be encouraged 
that stepping into this with God, it is a journey. And so what I wanna do is, is give you guys some principles to live by. So as you consciously think about these things, it allow an unraveling in your life. It will unravel a posture of humility. So where every day you don't look at yourself with shame, you don't look at your sin and say, I have failed. As it presents itself, you realize on the other side of confession, I can see God's mercy. Now, I want you to write this down. And this is principle number one. I need you family to now get in the habit of asking yourself and asking God this, God, where do I need to be? In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse one, we see right from the gate that David was exactly where he was not supposed to be. I can think about so many times in my life where I was in the same position where I was exactly where I did not need to be. When I was in seventh grade, I had a little boyfriend that always got me in trouble. And one night I decided that it was gonna be okay to sneak out past my curfew so I can hang out with him. I was 12 years old when this was happening. So we're out running the streets. I had no idea that there was a curfew for people who were minors. So I'm walking down the street, I'm walking down the street. Next thing you know what, I see a police drive past us. And guess what? The police did a huge and fierce, fierce U-turn and came right back to us. He pulled us over, brought us to the car, and he said, what are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, we're just walking the streets. And in that moment, he called my mom, and guess what? As I'm hearing him talk to my mom, they're saying, hey, we have your daughter here. And I heard my mom say, no, she's in the house right now. I was not where I'm supposed to be at the time. I was somewhere else. And as a result, I got in trouble. When I look back at my life, I realized that some of my greatest pitfalls have nothing to do with my friends, but have everything to do with the environments I keep placing myself in. Some of you recognize even in your own life right now where you feel a tugging in your heart where God is telling you that you need to find community, but you keep trying to find it in the club. Some of you are married and you keep finding yourself not going home. There are so many different things that God is challenging you and waving red flags and saying, you don't need to be there, but you keep ignoring it. So if we're gonna continue to grow and get breakthrough in our life in this season, you need to get in the habit of asking, where do I need to be? Principle number two, identify one person that can help you see your sin. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse one through six, and we see Nathan, sharing with David to help him see his own actions, not to shame, but to help him recognize his own sin. Right now you may be like, oh man, are you telling me that I need to have someone in my life that's gonna call me out on my stuff all the time? Okay, maybe, kind of, but can I challenge you with this? What I am saying is that you need someone that not only calls out things in your life, but see it as a person who is calling you up towards kingdom behavior. When I think about those people in my life, I can't forget about my godmother. She passed away a year ago, but she was one of those people who called out so many things in me. She was like a bonus mom to me. And when I was 16 years old, she was very, very watchful of me from 16 all the way to an adult. And one of the things that she helped me work through was my temper 
and the way that I was very slanderous with my words. I remember one time she pulled me aside and said this, baby, I say this in truth because I love you and I don't want you to stay the same. See friends, some of the greatest affection that I've ever received in my life was through correction. God loves you so much that he does not want you to stay the same. He brings correction so that you can recognize his love through it and not stay where you are. Having people intentionally in your life that can help point that out will draw you up into the kingdom standard that God has established for you. So again, practically, you may be asking yourself, well, how do I find that person in my life? Find someone in your circle and find that one person who you can trust, who can push you towards Christ and who you can trust with your deepest parts of your heart. That is a person that you can seek after and that is a person that you can also be for someone else. Principle number three, know who you are. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse seven through nine, Nathan reminds him of who God called David to be. He reminded him that he called him out from being a shepherd boy, anointed him as king, gave him so many things because of who God is, not because of who David was, but because of who God is. And Nathan had to remind him of that. And I have to believe that as Nathan was talking to him, in him being reminded of who he was in God, allowed him to recognize what was happening in that moment. See, there is so much confusion happening right now in this world where so many people are lacking identity and understanding who they are. And as a result, they don't know how to carry themselves. They don't know how to be, and they definitely don't know how to have people treat them right. If we're going to be able to conquer sin in our lives, if we're gonna be able to grow into a place of having a posture of community, we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know who we are associated with and walk in the fullness of who God's called us to be. So number three, the principle we have to keep in mind, keep pursuing, keep reminding through the scripture of God, who God says we are is knowing who we are. And lastly, principle number four, know who God is. See, at the climax, at this whole entire passage, we see David, it didn't click who God was when he had his affair with Bathsheba. It didn't click when he killed Uriah. It didn't even click when Nathan was trying to tell him a story to help him recognize his own heart. It clicked after the fact of him recognizing, oh my gosh, everything that I have done was against God. See, things change when we recognize who we are committing things towards. And if I can be an encouragement to you in this way, and if you can't remember anything else is this, in us recognizing our sin and the sin in our lives, it's not to weigh you down, it's not to shame you. If anything, it's, it's encouraging you to recognize this so you can see God. Friends, that is why we are here. That is why God has us here. We're in this fallen world and he has given us an access point for us to be unraveled day after day after day so that we can see him. He wants you to see him. And in that moment, we recognize from that utterance that David understood himself and his decisions through the light of God. In Psalms 51, 
verse one through two, we see an extension of that confession. And it reads like this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. As I stand before you today as a pastor, I look at this verse and I see so much. I see a man who understands who God is. I see a man who understands the weight of his decision, but I also see a humility that I so desperately want. And I desperately want for you too. To say that I have arrived at this point, I would say this probably would be lying to you. But what I will tell you is that I am in a current journey of getting to this place, of getting to this place of confession, of humility, of posturing myself before the Lord to understand that this is where I need to be. This is what I need to return to. I had a moment in college, kind of similar to this moment, but that was the launching pan, plan, pad, sorry, that allowed me to start journeying towards this posture of humility. I was in college and I was partying my life away. And one particular night I was in Vegas and I was completely, completely wasted. And I remember looking in the mirror and not recognizing the person that I saw. And as I looked in the mirror, I thought to myself, Aldi, how did you get here? You let your desires run your whole entire life. You let them just run and run and run and you entice and you had consequences and you ignored it time and time again. And here you are. Do you like what you're seeing? And to be honest, friends, I did not like who I saw in the mirror. And I remember calling my friend that night, a friend who doesn't believe in Jesus, but a person that even helped me in that moment. I like to kind of look back and think that she was my Nathan in that moment. And I told her everything that I had done. And she kind of said to me, girl, like, what are you doing? And I remember telling her, even though I know she didn't care, that if God allowed me to get back home from that trip that I was on, that I would go to church, the Rock Church actually, and I would give my life to Christ and I would turn away and begin that journey forward. That was my moment where I realized I can't keep doing this anymore. The weight of my sin and the lifestyle that I was living had piled up so much <laughs> that I recognized, man, the stuff that I'm doing is not really about what's happening against me. I'm realizing, man, that everything that I'm doing is towards the Father who has been chasing me my whole life. Friends, as I close, in the beginning I said that we are starting this journey through the life of David. And we see where his desires took him. But we also see where the desires actually brought him to. And that was recognizing God's mercy. If we are going to be the people of God, set apart, pursuing holiness and righteousness, we must understand that confession is a part of that. Having a posture of humility in the midst of our sins is a part of that. Getting in a habit of saying, God, where do you need me to be today? God, who is one person in my life that you can highlight that can help me see my sin so I can get better, so I can grow more in you? God, how can I now learn who you call me to be? And lastly, God, how can every day I learn to understand 
more of who you are. See, friends and family, if we're going to experience breakthrough as individuals, but most importantly as a church, we cannot be okay with the sin in our lives. If anything, we have to remember the grace that God has, that he has conquered it for us so that we can live in freedom day after day after day. And so wherever you are, whether you're watching your car right now, you're at home, or maybe you just tune into this moment right now, freedom is on the other side of acknowledgement and confession. And I know that tuning in right now, there are people who have already said, you know what, I get it. And I wanna encourage you to keep falling forward into the arms of the Lord because until we see his face, we will never be perfect. And so I just wanna challenge all of you who are watching to take this message and apply it to your life. I wanna pray over us and then we will enjoy the rest of the day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the journey that you allow us all to be on. God, I thank you that in this journey, you don't leave us to be by ourselves. You walk with us day by day by day. Thank you, God, that when you bring things to the surface, you don't do it to shame us, you do it to heal us. I thank you, God, for the avenue and the pathway that you have given us every day where we can come to you and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry that I missed the mark. God, I'm sorry that I've fallen short. And in us expressing that to you, your grace allows us to begin again. I thank you for the many families that are gonna experience breakthrough through this. I thank you for those who are going to find breakthrough in their own individual lives. And I thank you, God, for the breakthrough that's gonna happen through our church. We love you, Lord, and thank you for being victorious in our lives. In your name I pray, amen. Before we go, I wanna make sure that we pray over this time that we've had together as a family so that God will put a seal on the work that took place in all of our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for you allowing us to go through a journey in life with you. I thank you that we don't have to do this life alone, that you are walking with us day by day. And as we are walking with you, you are highlighting the things that you want to heal in our lives. And I just pray, Lord, for every family here who is watching, every individual that is watching that are saying, man, I want to know more about the God that she is excited about. And if that is you right now, all you need to do is admit and believe and confess. Admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Believe that Christ died for you and rose again. Confess of your sin. And as you confess of that, you receive the completed and finished work that Christ conquered on the cross. And for those who have already said that and are saying, you know what? I want to continue to have breakthrough in my life. I pray God that you would begin to send people in their lives that can be that one, that you would send people in their lives to remind them who you are and who they are in you, God, and that you would send people to remind them of where they need to be. I thank you, God, right now for the work that is happening in the hearts of so many people who are watching during this broadcast and maybe even years from now. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you're going to do. In your name I pray, amen. 
If during this time you made the decision to walk and begin a journey with God, we want to help you with that next step and begin the journey with you here at The Rock. To find more information about that decision, please text SAVE to 52525 and we'll be happy to help you, love, and serve with you. Love you guys. God bless you and see you soon.